Hello and welcome to the Girls on Fire podcast. I'm Hannah and I'm here with Lucy and Emily and our special guest, Zoe Flood. She is a journalist and has worked in a number of countries on different topics that are very relevant to today's media. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be back. Should we just get started? I think we should just get started. Dive straight into it. So tell us about yourself. Okay, well, it's great to be back at MLC. I studied here uh, for year nine and um, half of year 10 when we moved over to Perth from the UK. I'd lived in Perth before, but came over for those years in high school age. Um, So I really loved uh, being at MLC. It was a great time for me. And I still have lots of great friends from that time who I've actually been seeing recently, which is is lovely (laughs) to catch up with them again. Um, I've been working as a journalist and documentary filmmaker, mostly across sub-Saharan Africa, but um, more broadly as well for at least 10 plus years now, Um, mostly based out of Nairobi in Kenya, um, but traveling a lot. Um, And I work on uh, different topics, quite, quite broad range of topics, but everything from the environment and science to conflict, um, violent extremism, which is not a very light topic for a (laughs) a morning discussion, um, and politics and business and all sorts of things. So it's very interesting. (laughs) So how would you like summarize, are you just kind of summarized it, but like the journalism career path and like which avenues within this path can that go down other than like documentary making and that different types of areas? Yeah. So I think, um, I work quite broadly as a journalist. So I work as a writer and I also work as a filmmaker and I also do radio and audio work. Um, I'm a camera operator and a producer. So I sort of walk, work across a, a broad range of skills. Um, you know, journalism is actually a very, uh, wide, uh, space. People think of it as writing for a newspaper, but actually there's lots and lots of different roles. You can work um, doing video, doing producing for broadcast television, doing documentary filmmaking. There's quite a few technical roles that are behind the scenes. Um, you know, there are anchor roles, which is probably what most people see when they watch the TV, the person who's sitting in a news studio presenting the news. Um, but actually like, you know, that's, that's just one of very many. Um, I think when I was, when I was growing up, I thought, oh, that'd be really cool to read the news. But actually (laughs) I found that going out, um, and reporting the news is a bit more interesting and going out and meeting people, talking to people, gathering the information. Um, I've really enjoyed that part of it. So how did you start out in journalism and what in like your years at MLC or growing up, what inspired you to get into this interesting industry? That's a great question. So I always loved, I'd say language and books and writing. And that's probably what sort of first attracted me to uh, journalism. Uh, rather hilariously, I the first articles that I, I ever had published was as the rowing correspondent for my <laughs> <laughs> local newspaper when I was a teenager in the UK. And I'd actually um, got involved in rowing. Um, I, well, I hadn't actually done it at MLC, but I'd seen a lot of people being rowers or coxing or whatever. And I then went back to the UK and got involved in my local rowing club. And they had... Um, a need for someone to write the kind of regatta reports for the local paper. So that was actually the first thing I did (laughs) as a journalist, a published journalist. Um, I then went to university. I studied history and politics, which um, a lot of people um, in the journalism world don't actually have journalism degrees. They often have maybe an arts degree or a science. It doesn't really matter. Like they've done an academic degree that has given them the skills of analysis, you know, how to – 
deal with a large amount of information, analyze it, uh, re, um, I was going to say regurgitate, that doesn't sound very nice, <laughs> um, uh, analyze it and, and sort of work it into a form that is uh, intelligible and understandable and accessible for an audience, um, which is often what you do when you're writing an essay, basically. Um, I know all so, about that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of the degree I did. And then when I was at university, I'd got very involved in student journalism. So I edited the student newspaper at my university. Um, and that kind of started me on that career path. Although I did sort of, I didn't immediately go into journalism in my professional career. I worked for a think tank, a sort of research institute for a while. Um, but it had given me some good grounding um, working on the student newspaper. Kind of going off that, I was wondering how coming out of like university, how did you realize what kind of topics you wanted to like focus on when like covering stories? Because obviously you have like a, bit of a niche like you don't cover like celebrity gossip like you cover more like it's like serious like humanitarian issues yeah I think that I had always been motivated to work on stories that felt important to me and I think that's you know also important there are people who for whom you know working on health stories or science stories or or celebrity gossip stories that's what they are interested in and i think that's very much about finding what you like as a person if you're interested in this as a career um i always was interested in trying to engage with stories often that affect people who maybe their voices aren't always heard in the world and I think that was really important to me to, to sort of find a way to tell those kind of stories and to use the opportunities and privilege that I have to um, maybe, and, and particularly because I work as a freelancer, so I'm self-employed. I tend to prefer describing myself as self-employed because I have to run myself, run my own, I run a <laughs> yeah, business no, that is me. <laughs> um, and I think that being able to do that means that you have a little bit more flexibility to try and work on stories that you personally find that you're passionate about. Um, and I think, um, it's a bit more challenging perhaps because you don't have the certainty of a regular employer, but it does actually give you more opportunity to define what you're interested in. So we've read about your recent project working on the gamblers like me for BBC Africa. Eye. can you tell us a bit about like what this experience was like and what it was like working internationally in a new environment? Yeah. So, um, gamblers like me, which is a film about sports betting um, and, and essentially predatory sports betting companies targeting vulnerable, generally young men in sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, we focused on Uganda in that film. And so I spent quite a bit of time in Uganda filming it. I was the camera operator and the director and the producer, and I worked with an amazing team, uh, an incredible uh, journalist and producer called Lydia who's a Ugandan, and we had a central character called Collins who was uh, confronting his own experience with uh, gambling addiction. Um, and that was, you know, it was, a, it was a story that when I started working on it, we hadn't imagined would be as long a film as it became. We thought it was going to be a much shorter film, but then we gathered so much interesting material that the um, – a documentary unit at the BBC decided to make it an hour film. So we um, ended up, it's, it's, it's a, what's called a TV hour. So it's like 52 minutes <laughs> um, TV with the adverts. <laughs> um, 
And it was a really, really fascinating experience. It wasn't a, a topic that I had particularly engaged with before. It was actually um, commissioned, so it wasn't something that I pitched. It was, it was something that they were already working on as an idea. And what was quite interesting was that they, um, the BBC Africa Eye unit had gone around sub-Saharan Africa and done focus groups with young people. And they'd asked them what kind of stories they wanted to hear told. And this was, sports betting was one of the areas that people kept raising as an issue that they really wanted to see investigated. So that's where that had, idea had come from. It actually come from people who were living that as a reality and seeing it affecting friends and family members. So I hadn't particularly engaged with it as an issue, but working on the film really made me feel very passionately about it as an issue because I hadn't quite understood how widespread it is. Um, it's very much an, a market that is being moved into by international companies um, and particularly targeting vulnerable people, people who already are struggling in life, who don't have a huge access to resources and, um, you know, presenting this idea of these opportunities that they could win all these riches and change their lives. Whereas in fact, they're profit-making companies and the likelihood of them winning slim to none is yeah. slim to none. So basically the, the, the phrase, the house always wins is, mm. <laughs> is pretty accurate because it really does, yeah. because these are companies that are designed to make sure that they profit, um, and make profit. So it was really, really interesting. It was fantastic to work with Lydia and Collins and, and Collins's own personal journey where he had actually, um, in the course of the documentary revealed to us that he had had to drop out of university for a year because he had gambled away his fees. And he revealed that to us, which was very, very um, emotionally honest and transparent and amazing of him to share that, which he then agreed to share on camera. Um, and it was really extraordinary to see him go on that personal journey as he looked at other people's experiences, um, which were often quite devastating. Um, so it was a very, yeah, it was a very interesting film to work on and it's had, you know, um, great impact and a lot of people have watched it. And I think it's been one of the few big pieces about that issue in sub-Saharan Africa. So I feel very proud of working on that. So good seeing how like, where, how if you bring in real life stories to people, it can make such a big impact and people watching can realize that like they're not alone and then it can, the film will just help make a bigger change. Like Absolutely. Overall, yeah. And I really think, I mean, I'm so grateful to Collins for being involved and being as open as he was on that journey and in that film, because I know that people have really responded well to his emotional openness and vulnerability and sharing. And I think that's made that film a lot more impactful as a result. It wasn't a sort of mm -hmm. dry yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. analysis of the issue. It was like, this is a human journey. Personal. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is a personal story. So Emily, Lucy and I, we all study uh, media at all. Yeah. <laughs> so did you study any of the equivalent in high school or? I didn't actually, but I think that's more to do with um, the UK system because after I left MLC, I went back to the UK and I did GCSEs and A-levels oh, right. and um, the school I was at didn't actually offer media as, a, as an option. So I think I probably would have done it had it been available, but I know it's more available here. Um, but uh, no, I think it's a great, uh, great subject and I think it's really important to whether or not you end up deciding to work in the media, I think it's really important to understand the media as a person in the world because it's so important to how we see the world. Um, you know, our, our complete our understanding of everything is is mediated by the media, whether it's 
online, whether it's social media, you know, these are all things that change how we see the world. And it's very important, I think, to understand how it works because it makes you, you know, a better consumer of information. Yeah, more of an analyst rather than a you know, passive consumer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, we studied uh, journalism and documentary making with um, Michael Moore and was it Michael Fahrenheit. Moore? Yeah, yeah Fahrenheit, 9-11, yeah, that type of thing. Um, yeah, very interesting topic. Yeah, especially like dissecting like all those documentaries and find like the codes and conventions. And it shows just another side of media because I think when our peers who don't do media think of the subject, they might think, oh, oh you're just studying with films. a camera. You're, you know, <laughs> very fictional. But when yeah. you, when we dive into the yeah. it becomes really gritty, interesting. Yeah, the interesting, yeah. real opens almost a third eye because you're like now it's easier to spot like fake news and I think that's so hugely important because the sort of disinformation battle (laughs) that the world is facing is so important and it's up to it's up to us to be responsible consumers of information and understand why people might have an agenda to portray something inaccurately or you know with, with with untruthfully and why they might be doing that and to be analytical about how you see something and read something. And I think especially because so much of, I would say, the kind of mainstream media, which I know is a bit of a a funny phrase, a lot of it is paywalled. So people tend to consume um, a lot of media that isn't paywalled. And there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of agendas behind a lot of websites and material that that goes out on on a lot of those websites. So I think it's very very important to to be critical, um, in not not in a not in a negative way, but critical and, and analytical about the way. Yeah, and like we have said before, we are ATAR students, uh, ATAR media students. Sorry, and I think we all have like part of us that wants to go into like the journalism or like media f- like industry. So, do you have like any like advice or tips or like process in like how to get into that industry? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a really interesting time to get involved in the media because it's changing very fast. And I actually think that younger people are much better equipped <laughs> to enter that world than older people. And I do think there are older people in the industry who find that quite threatening. I think personally it's really exciting because, um, you know, when I see younger people, you know, the fact that basically so many younger people now can essentially make a video, they can yeah. do stuff for TikTok, they can, you know, it's like, <laughs> yes, yeah. it's just like a new wave. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like everyone has has those skills almost innately, like the, the idea of how you put something together, editing, audio visual skills. And that's really exciting because it's like you're coming into that world with already some of the skills which used to maybe take years to, to develop. Um, in terms of advice, I would say, um, consume a lot of media, all types. So even stuff that you might not necessarily like, but just so, so you understand it as a space. Um, definitely look at the way people do things. So if there's a writer that you admire or a filmmaker that you admire, sort of deconstruct what they're doing, not to copy it necessarily, but to understand what kind of techniques they're using in and why, why does something reach you? Why does something make an impact on you? Why do you feel moved by something or impassioned, you know, why did, why does something make you feel excited? What, you know, what, what is going on in that storytelling method that is making you feel something? So I'd say that's really important. And then of course, you know, if you're interested in media and a sort of factual side of things, so documentary and journalism, you know, being very mindful of how people 
convey factual information and how important it is to be accurate. I think that's something that's very important as well. When you went into the industry, what did you find was like the most surprising thing that you like weren't expecting and you're just like, whoa, that's (laughs) (laughs) the biggest surprise. I think um, it's a great question and not one I've really thought about actually, (laughs) but um, my sort of immediate reaction would be that I always went in thinking I would be a writer and only a writer and I then became very fascinated. It was partly a practical decision because I I could see that the the business of being a journalist was going to be a lot harder if I only was a writer. (laughs) So I thought, right, let me diversify my skills and move into um, visual storytelling and I was very surprised by my interest in that, number one, (laughs) but also I was very surprised at learning how much work goes into making videos and television. I think that's something that's always quite surprising for people. I remember I took my dad on a shoot. We were making a little shoot for a little video for CNN and we only needed to deliver, the final video was gonna be like two minutes. It's tiny and we spent hours and hours and hours and he was like, is this what you have to do (laughs) to get get these very short things, um, short videos, short clips, the amount of work that is behind them, I think was very surprising to me to actually become involved in that. And I think that's also really important to be aware of as a consumer of media, the amount of resource that actually goes into particularly visual storytelling, because I think we're very, as a society, we want everything to be free. We want everything to be easy. We want everything to be, um, you know, delivered to us. You know, it's a bit like independent filmmaking, you know, why can't we all have it for free and, you know, take it from pirate websites, whatever, but there is so (laughs) much resource. And, and, and I think that as you know, you go forward in that, space to sort of understand that is absolutely fascinating because it makes you really respect that process yeah definitely we're we're all going through that yeah yeah. (laughs) I I just know of people that I've talked to especially going into ATAR or when we were choosing our subjects initially I remember having a conversation with one of my friend's mums actually and telling her that I wasn't choosing any science subjects and I was just doing the arts and her being like are you limiting yourself and I just I was very shocked I was like oh okay so this is how the media is it can be perceived by uh, I don't know I just I feel like it's interesting to note the almost it's almost oblivious to how much effort yeah. and time and patience that goes into making films yeah. we're making the fi- our five minute final productions and it's like the constant reshoots and every single thing the, the casting even the lo- even locations the like like the coming up with an initial idea and then all the logi- the logistics that come after oh. that and then the actual filming yeah. process it's Mu- so much respect so yeah, huge, huge amount of respect, <laughs> especially because we're just filming a five-minute video. Yeah, I couldn't even, even imagine, imagine like yeah. a fifty-two, a, 52 a, an ad out, no, TV out. TV out. <laughs> so like that's just insane. Yeah, no, and I think that's a really important thing that we all can understand better as consumers of media, be it fiction films or documentary or you know five-minute news packages. Like the amount of human effort yeah. that goes into that. <laughs> So, yeah. Your what's like your response to hearing people's like traumatic experiences? I think that to be a good journalist, you need to be empathetic. You need to engage with other people's experiences and stories, and that will make you a better reteller of them. Um, so, 
it definitely has an effect on me. Like I would not say that I'm, I can um, remain uninvolved um, yeah. emotionally. I think it's uh, definitely something that I will think about and process and will affect me subsequently. And there are certainly a number of stories that I've worked on that I, that still stay with me to this day. I think mostly I just feel very privileged and I feel very grateful that people who share their own traumatic experiences with me trust me sufficiently to do that. And I think that's a great, um, it's something to be treated with great care and respect. And I think that's generally how I respond to it is that these are people who've gone through something that is very, very difficult to talk about and they are trusting me enough to do that um, and to share their experiences. And so I try to see it through that lens to think, okay, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for you to you for sharing this with me. And, and I, I, I guess there's a shared trust between us that by them sharing their experience, that something positive that we don't necessarily understand may come from it, that may, more people will be informed, that something will change or that something will improve as a result of that, of them sharing their experience. Thank you for speaking with us today. It's been very enlightening and inspiring to hear your stories. Um, I know we're all <laughs> going to take something from that. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to Girls on Fire and we'll see you next week. thanks for listening to this week's episode if you enjoyed it feel free to like share or leave a review and make sure to stay tuned for episodes to come